You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this episode of the Locked On NBA Draft, we are here today to kind of shift gears and look forward to next year's college basketball season. And today we are going to be looking at the most interesting prospects returning to college basketball next season. But first, today's title sponsor for this episode, which is Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA. It's small market meets big market. Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast. Join Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcasts. You are locked on the NBA draft. I am your host. It is Sam Ferris. And I've got a special guest today, but to kind of introduce the show, you know, over the past few months, we've been focused on the past draft class and we've just gone through summer league as well. So now we are actually going to start a bit of a transition now where we're going to be looking forward to the next draft cycle and the next college basketball season. So the way that I'm going to title this episode is the uh, the most interesting prospects returning to college basketball next season. So a bit of a college basketball primer. And to help me discuss this topic, I have got Will Morris. And so, Will, how's it going for you this afternoon? It's going really well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, so we're looking forward to next college basketball season. As I said, the guys that were kind of most excited uh, to see and the way will that I have thought about this uh, we've each picked two guys and to me uh, I don't think we haven't picked kind of the maybe most famous or the highest regarded returners those guys would probably be uh, Benedict Matherin and Jaden Ivey to me we're looking at guys that we want to attach our names to as guys that we think their stock might rise and guys that we're just excited to see in college basketball next season. Um, do you have anything to add to that before we get going, Will? Is there anything, uh, obviously we're going to get into this as we get into these specific prospects, but anything high level you want to add before we jump in here? Uh, no, let's just jump right into it. All right. Since you are the guest, give me your first guy that you've got on your list. Yeah, so why don't we start with uh, Kadari Richmond, who played last season at Syracuse as a freshman, um, but he's leaving Syracuse, luckily for us. I mean, I'm always kind of skeptical of guys who don yeah. the orange. Um, it's just really <laughs> tough to analyze guys in that 2-3 zone, I guess. But um, yeah, he's transferring to Seton Hall. Um, and he's an interesting guy because he played at the top of their 2-3 zone there. Um, which, as I already mentioned, it's really tough to analyze defense in their specific scheme. But to me, he really stood out um, in spite of, you know, playing for Syracuse. Um, he posted a 4.5 steal rate and 2.8 block rate. Um, and it's obviously always difficult, but, like, I feel like his length and anticipation are just really special. Um uh, I'm 
I'm obviously curious to see how it looks in a different scheme at uh, like, you know, a more man to man type uh, setting, but still I'm, I think I'm bullish on how his defense will translate uh, to a different conference, to a different team. Um, Aside from the defense, I think that um, he has lots of upside as a guy who can create his own shot going downhill really good first step and has some real craft as a slasher um, changes directions while driving with crossovers and spin moves. And then he has the strength to back down smaller defenders as well and draw contact at the rim. Um, I think he had like a point a free throw rate over 40%. So that's really encouraging. And then he uses his length really well as a finisher um, pulling off extension finishes with either hand Um I don't know. Before I go anymore, do you have anything to add on the defense or just his upside yeah. as a slasher? Yeah. So I guess we'll start with I'll start with the offense here to piggyback off what you were saying. It's kind of interesting because um, his overall efficiency in the half court wasn't very good, which is fine as a freshman. But he actually did have a fair amount of like self creation, whether it's in isolation possessions, pull up jumpers pick and roll. Those are the things that he actually did better in the half court. He he was not a very good, just spot up shooter, which kind of brings me to the question, Will, where, what do you see his role moving forward? Do you think that that self-creation, that on ball slashing ability is something that he'll be able to carry over, you know, at a higher usage rate and maybe even into the NBA, or does he need to translate and transition more into a guy that can kind of play a roll-off ball and and improve that shooting? Yeah, I think he's probably more of an off-ball guy, um, and obviously that puts pressure on him to develop that jumper. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think his shot is broken by any means, but it's definitely worrisome that he only took 21 threes this year, um, yeah. so like 2.1 attempts per 100. Uh, I mean, his touch like around the rim and on free throws isn't bad or anything. Um, but that volume is definitely um, a bit of an issue for me. But it's one of those things where he's young. And if it does come around, um, he can be a really interesting off guard wing type that can, uh, you know, get downhill against closeouts, hit spot ups. And then he's also a really good passer. Um, he does a great job using his rim gravity. Um, finding guys for dump off passes, making, you know, kick out passes, things like that. He had a 26% assist rate this year uh, on like a 19.7 usage. So for a player with his usage, that assist rate is really, really impressive. Um, So it's one of those things, you know, like if the shot does come around, he can be a very valuable player. But, you know, if it is where it is right now, that like vision of him as this like off guard type that can dribble pass and shoot you know mm-hmm. might just be missing the shoot aspect yeah for sure and obviously like he's not going to the nba this year he's not a complete prospect uh so you know this exercise it's kind of similar to projecting the one and done guys from college to the nba you have to project that jump it's similar with these guys. We're trying to figure out how they can make that jump to become, uh, you know, more effective and very good college players before hopefully 
after next season, they can make the jump to the NBA as prospects. So kind of a similar process here. But actually, I think we should do both your prospects first and then do my prospects second because I think there are some interesting kind of through lines and interesting kind of common denominators with the two guys you picked. So I'm interested to see, Will, if this was something that you looked at on purpose. I have a feeling that it is. So you talked about 2.8% block rate and 4.5% steal rate for Kadari Richmond. Uh, Very good activity rates uh, on defense, which are very good indicators. So to kind of help us transition now to your next guy, Tari Eason, who played at Cincinnati as a freshman and is now transferring to LSU. Another guy that uh, you and I both think that uh, people should keep eyes on in terms of him seeing a jump next year in production uh, at LSU. Another guy that had very good stock rates, very good activity rates in terms of his block and steal rates. So I guess my question, Will, are those are those activity rates, the block and the steal rates, is that something that you kind of purposely looked at when picking some of these guys that you expect to make that jump? Yeah, I think just like, I mean, yeah, to answer your question, definitely. Um, I look at stock rate and things like that. I think that matters a lot. And to me, just like finding guys that have some sort of statistical grab really Mm -hmm. matters, whether that be, you know, a guy's like an insanely high volume shooter, like Kerwin Walton or something like that. Um, Or Bones Highland going back to last year. Yeah, Bones Highland. Exactly. Um, And like... To me, even if a guy, the rest of their like statistical profile is flawed or they like have some clear weaknesses, if they have that grab, then like I think, you know, you can still consider them worthwhile prospects. Like I, I wasn't really old enough to like watch Alex Caruso as a freshman or anything, but yeah. he had a negative offensive BPM and his turnover rate was almost 30. But this is a guy with the steal rate that was almost 5%, you know, so he yep. still had that statistical grab. And he also shot 26% from three as a freshman. So, like, if you look at just what he did his first season, you're like, this guy's not a prospect at all. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be something there that pops. Um, and I think Tari Eason is similar in some ways. Um, he's another guy that didn't really have a super productive offensive season. But, I mean, statistically – you know, 3.4% steal rate, 7% block rate, great rebounding rates as well. Um, so in spite of some of those flaws, you know, there's definitely that um, grab that makes him interesting to me. Yeah, so I like how you use the word uh, just statistical grab, something that sticks out, something that indicates, you know, there is there is some certain skill in here that we believe is very high level and will translate to becoming a very good college player and then hopefully a very good NBA player. Kind of the ones that you've seen here with Richmond and Eason, it's the physical tools. And then when you look at the stats, it is kind of these defensive activity rates. Like you talked about with Caruso, this is the thing I like to do too, is go back and see what lessons can we learn from history. Uh, So, This is a very interesting thing that uh, Will has brought up, and I've got a separate one that we'll cover when we get to my guys. But in terms of Tari Eason transferring to LSU, 
Uh, Will, when I look at LSU next year, he is going to get opportunity because their top three guys in terms of production uh, are all gone next year. Cam Thomas being the guy that most people know. Um, But uh, I think he's going to get time. Do you see him as, because he played kind of a power forward center hybrid-ish role, do you see him exclusively as a big moving forward? Yeah, I think that's kind of the question mark for me. I mean, defensively, I think he's kind of this like freak type who's all over the place, you know, just really impressive ground coverage, can get in a stance, uh, slides really well on the perimeter, great weak side rim protector. Um, so defensively, I think he's kind of one of those guys that, um, you know, is kind of everywhere at once. But offensively, I think that's where the question really is. And I think based on where his skill set is right now, like the offensive floor is kind of as this Paul Reedish energy big type that's kind of just like, you know, being a roller, hanging out in the dunker spot, being like a cleanup guy on the offensive glass. Um, I mean, like, there's probably going to need to be some offensive development because I don't think he necessarily has like those like Isaiah Jackson type tools to be like super effective in that role. Like he isn't like a dominant play finisher. Like he shot under 60% at the rim this year, which is definitely an issue for him. Um, But, you know, like at LSU, I think we'll get to see if um, he'll be able to tap into that upside. Um, I mean, just like watching a guy like Trenton Watford last year, obviously, Eason isn't like the floater god that Watford is, but like <laughs> yeah. we got to see Watford like attacking from the perimeter. Um, and I, I do think that Eason has some handling capabilities. He's flashed some quick decision making on short rolls. Um, I mean, he had a 14% assist rate this year, which is really good for a guy who was pigeonholed into a pretty limited role. Um, We'll see what the jump shot looks like. I think he shot in the 70s from the foul line in EYB, or I don't think he played EYBL, but AAU. Um, I don't hate the shot, but the free throw percentage this year um, and the three-point percentage weren't great. So we'll see what the shot looks like. But yeah, I'd say I'd say LSU is a pretty good context for him in terms of being able to show off if he has that um you know, more if he has more to his offensive game than what currently meets the eye. Yep. To kind of finish up with him, I did see, you know, some of those, the shooting flashes and some of the handling flashes. Again, it's probably, it's mostly contained to like two, three dribble moves. He's not too, he's not putting together like multiple different dribble moves, uh, nothing super advanced, but there are some flashes that a bit more there. And, and like you said, the, the shot isn't broken. I can see it continuing to improve and get to the point where uh, not necessarily a weapon, but it's something that uh, can be at least a tool for him, but certainly more of a defensive prospect moving forward. Um, coming up next, uh, we're going to get to the two guys that I have and that I'm looking forward to seeing in college basketball and kind of uh, what I looked for in order to decide on these guys. And then in the final segment also, just so our listeners know, we're going to kind of rank these guys in terms of NBA prospects moving forward. We kind of always like to do that ranking at the end. 
Hey guys, so there are just a few things in life that are not that fun to talk about, and one of them can be excessive sweating. You know, when you're in a meeting, you're giving a speech, you're at work, and maybe your shirt is sweating through for no reason. And that's kind of embarrassing, right? So some of you might have dealt with this, uh, and it can happen to anyone really, but thankfully there is this new brand out. It's called Sweatblock. And because they're one of our sponsors, they actually sent me a few weeks ago a lot of their supplies. Uh, they've been really effective, I think, for me. So simply, the only thing you have to do is apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day as normal without worrying about sweating. And that's guaranteed. I know that sounds too good to be true, but you just have to use it once or twice a week and it can keep you dry that entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check this out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, Another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights also on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorite favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of that clutter and confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required and content varies by package. All right, so, Will, we're going to get to my two guys right now. I'll start with Keegan Murray. Uh, so there's a couple different things that I liked about him, but starting from a high-level statistical look at Keegan Murray, he posted the highest box plus minus of any freshman returning to college basketball next season. And uh, another guy that is going to be – stepping into a lot larger role next year with guys like Luca Garza leaving Joe Wieskamp. He, I, I really liked what I saw him. The numbers love him as well. He's a guy that to me, uh, I I'm interested to see kind of how his frame fills out. He might be, I think more likely to be kind of a four, but he can play out on the wing too. And if he puts on enough size, could be kind of a smaller five as well. Good athlete at that size as well. Not, Super explosive, but very functional athlete. And um, Will, I want to get kind of your thoughts from what you've seen from him so far, uh, just in terms of what you saw from him last year at Iowa and maybe what you would expect from him next year. Yeah, I mean, I think he's similar to, to Tari Eason in a lot of ways, just with like that, you know, defensive ability, ability to cover ground, you know, just him being so light on his feet. Um, you know, that just jumps off the screen immediately when watching him. Um, I think his shot is definitely further along than Eason's. Um, 
Although, you know, he's not a great shooter yet. I think he was under 30% this year from three. Um, but it it just generally looks better to me. Um, I was curious to hear what you thought about, like, his just general offensive decision-making and his passing. Yeah, so this is a good transition because I wanted to get to kind of my theory and what I look for to pick the two guys. Uh, the other guy I'll talk about is Jonathan Davis from Wisconsin. But, Will, to to kind of jump into what I looked at statistically to get to these guys, because, uh, you know, there's always the top freshmen coming into college basketball that we know are going to be the one-and-done guys every year. But to me, I really enjoyed trying to find the guys that, uh, might have some potential moving forward, but didn't get uh, whether it's the role or the minutes they needed to really break out as freshmen. Uh, and there's been plenty of examples of that in the past. Obviously, Franz Wagner, Tyrese Halliburton, there's tons of those guys every year. Uh, so one thing that I've looked at that seems to uh, seems to really correlate here is uh, if a if a freshman did not get a lot of usage. So I look at freshmen that posted a usage rate uh, under 18%. Uh, if those guys, and then I, I only include guys that had a box plus minus over like two or three. So what that does is just, it's a baseline level of competence. Like, yes, this guy was a solid player, a positive player as a freshman. Uh, but then the main indicator that I actually looked at that seems to be pretty indicative is having a low turnover rate. Uh, so when I filtered by guys that had a low turnover rate below 15%, uh, that actually, I went back and looked at multiple past years. And every year there's about five to 10 guys that fit this group, Will. And it seems to have uncovered a lot of the guys that end up making this leap. Uh, for example, last year, guys like Franz Wagner, Julian Champagny, but if you go back to 2019, Halliburton, Wieskamp, Sadiq Bey, Aaron Wiggins, Trey Murphy, and Robert Woodard were all in that group. Uh, if you go back to 2018, they have Gary Trent Jr., Chuma Okiki, Corey Kispert. And so I'm not saying that this is like any perfect thing. And I'm not even saying I'm the first person that's found this. But I do think it can be pretty indicative. Uh, and I know you're a big stats guy as well, Will. So... What do you think kind of about uh, this theory here? And what does having a low turnover rate do you think potentially indicate to you? Yeah, I guess it could just be like a general decision making thing. I think it's yeah. interesting because like a lot of there was like a lot of chatter about like guys like Cam Thomas who had a low turnover rate. And I think it was it sparked a lot of debate because it was like, OK, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but like. He also Is doesn't he, pass. <laughs> yeah, he also doesn't pass. And, like, Deuce McBride yeah. was another guy, too, who, like, to a lesser degree, I guess, like, he just didn't really show too much ambition as a passer at West Virginia, and his turnover rates were kind of low as a result. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think, like, the other thing... Um, that is probably worth noting with Keegan Murray, too, is I think he turns 21 August 19th. Um, so, yeah, he's, like... It's tough because, like, for freshmen, like, he meets all these great statistical things. Like, he had a 7 BPM and stuff. But he's also, like, 
a lot older than a lot of guys. So like, I think when I first like saw Keegan Murray, I was like, holy smokes, this guy's like going to rise up. So like, he's going to be a top 10 guy, like just looking at his, yeah. his statistical profile and stuff. But I do think it's worth noting that and it probably knocks him down a few notches. Yeah, um, for sure. And also, I mean, we love looking at the stats and there is a lot to uncover here. I, I just like to do it, but I think it's worth mentioning that obviously you have to blend the stats with the eye test. And even when we think we find stuff like this, that is very indicative, that is very helpful. It's basketball. It's ever changing. There is no perfect answer. Right. Um, so anyway, sorry to cut you off. Will please continue. Oh no, I, I, I probably, I wasn't really going to add anything. I just still, I want to do want to clarify, like I still do like uh, Murray a lot as a prospect just because, you know, the defensive stuff. Um, I also think, like, as a play finisher, he was quite good. You know, showed good feel as a cutter, did a good job crashing the offensive boards. Um, so, yeah, although I'm not, like, like, I think compared to most on draft Twitter, I'm probably a little lower. I still think he's a, a solid prospect. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting to me. I think he has a lot of foundation kind of of skill but we'll see which end up hitting but something i i do come back to and it, it's you might say it's obvious but if a guy is six three and has is well-rounded has good foundation of skill but isn't great at anything well then that's probably not the most enticing prospect but if a guy is six eight six nine with good functional athleticism has good foundations of skill across the board but hasn't necessarily develop too far in any of them well at that size like that is a pretty intriguing prospect uh you know we could say the same about a guy like Rocco or maybe Franz uh Keegan Murray isn't as far along as those guys were but it's kind of the similar thought process there that size functional athleticism solid feel and good skill foundations is something that is just very valuable to build on in my opinion um anything to add there onto Keegan Murray before we get to Jonathan Davis, Will? Uh, just that I 100% agree with that last point you made there. But okay. yeah, we can move on. All right. So coming up next, we are going to get into Jonathan Davis. And then we will finish up by doing our fun little rankings of just these guys in terms of it's nothing final. But as of right now, how we would guess they end up as NBA prospects. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Uh, I've talked about this before. If you've listened to our show, I'm not a guy that liked protein bars before, but there are a couple of things that I really like about Built Bar. For me, first, it's just the taste and the variety of different flavors that you can choose from, whether you like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, just tons to choose from. But on top of that, they're also very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and net carbs, and calories range from 130 to 180. So again, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Uh, you can order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Pretty cool, right? So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. 
Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning back to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. Uh, so as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. So be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo and make a bet on the on Thursday, September 9th, season opener be- between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if even if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Uh, so from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait and go take advantage of the great offers available for this upcoming season. That is Bet Online, your online favorite sportsbook. All right, so on Jonathan Davis, first we got to mention the opportunity and the minutes he's going to walk into next year. So six of the top eight Wisconsin Badgers from last season were seniors. Those guys are all gone. The slate is basically wiped clean. He's going to get a ton of minutes. Uh, in terms of the physical profile with him, it's kind of similar to Jalen Suggs, just not quite as good, not quite as explosive, but 6'4", 6'5", uh, just a solid functional athlete. Um, he also did just play for the under-18 FIBA tournament for the USA, was kind of a role player for them. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of that tournament, uh, Will? Yeah, I watched a few of the Team USA games and, of course, the the Victor Wembanyama games as well for France. Yeah. Um, I do have some stuff I, I want would like to go back and see. Um, sure. But, yeah. So Jonathan Davis, was he was more of a role player for that team as well as for an old Wisconsin team last year as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Have you gotten to see much of his tape? Yeah, I've seen a, a decent amount of, of Jonathan Davis, and I'm definitely – all those Wisconsin, those Wisconsin seniors, they're not coming back, right? Because I know they had the <laughs> – That's a good question. I forgot about that. Because some I, of those – I hope they're not coming back. I, I hope they're not too because some of those guys were, like, really, really old. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it was definitely time. I definitely want to see if uh, Jonathan Davis can excel in a bit of a bigger role. Yeah, so what are the things, either positive or worries, that you have with him that you've either seen maybe statistically or just eye test? Yeah, I mean, I think defensively he's very good. You know, he's got a he's 6'5", strong-bodied, um, you know, 2.6 block rate, 2.7 steal rate. So those are good indicators. Um, I think on the ball he's very sturdy, moves really well laterally. Um so, yeah, I like him a lot as a defensive prospect. Um, the offensive end is interesting because he's flashed some, like, really impressive, tough shot right, shot making from mid-range. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't really take a lot of threes. And I was, I was curious to hear what you thought about that because, like, to me, I thought, like, there's times where he's passing, passing up open spot-ups and just kind of, like, taking a couple dribbles inside and you know, making it more difficult for himself. But I wasn't sure if it was like a mentality thing or he just doesn't have like particularly 
quick shot prep off the catch. But, like, I feel like he's not a bad shooter, but he was getting up about as many threes per 100 as Kadari. So it's, like, it's a really weird thing. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, so he shot 39%. Like you said, in terms of per game, just over one per game, and, like, the rate wasn't that great. But the form looks really good. He shot it well in the limited sample that he played for USA youth team this summer. Yeah, like... In my opinion, if he hits it all as a prospect, he's going to have to really shoot it, I think. And I, I, like, I'm fairly confident that he's going to get to that point. Um, so I think I'm pretty bullish on him there. What's also interesting to me, and I want to get your thoughts on him here to finish, is I think oftentimes we, we or some people think that evaluating prospects athleticism is like pretty easy you just kind of watch them and and you can tell and that's true for the extremes like obviously there's the Jalen Greens and then there's the Luca Garzas but I feel like in between it can often be a little tricky and difficult depending on the context depending on their role depending on their team they're on uh and with him like he's a good athlete and he's 6'5 but he's I mean, what level of athlete do you think he is? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it just goes back to like the idea that like athleticism isn't necessarily like one thing, you know, like I think he has pretty good pop off of two feet and I think he moves really well laterally and changes directions pretty well. But, you know, as far as like just straight line burst goes, I don't think he's great. Um, And then, just like vertical athleticism um, in like tight areas. I don't think he's great there either. Um, and then like, obviously if you're factoring strength into athleticism there, I, athleticism, I think he excels there. Yep. Um, so I think he's definitely like well above average in some spots, but also, you know, a decent bit below average in others. That's a good point. I do think strength should be factored in for sure. And especially just, that sturdiness, it's, again, kind of similar. He's not the prospect Suggs is, but just the tenacity and the functional strength on the ball, you can't move him. Uh, Jonathan Davis is a bit similar to that. And, again, I like the activity rates with the 2.6 block, 2.7 steal rates. And, again, the, the turnover rate being low indicates to me that he was a good decision maker when asked to be. And, again, we're trying to project him into a larger role that indicates that there is playmaking chops for him there that he can improve and hopefully learn to fill a bigger role. Um, but let's get in because I'm excited to see how you have these guys ranked. Obviously, they're a ways away at this point still. But in terms of if you, if you had to rank these four guys as NBA prospects right now, Will, um, let's start at number four. Uh I'll let you go first. This is going to be kind of <laughs> difficult for me still, but who who would you say is the fourth best NBA prospect uh, right now? Obviously, this isn't final. This is going to change. We're we're early on all these guys, but as of right now, who would be four for you? Yeah, this is tough. I do <laughs> like I do like all four of these guys. I will say before I get into this that I think. I like all of these guys, but there's one who I do think is like a pretty clear number one. And these other three, you know, are probably all in the same. Is it Kadari Richmond? 
yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> so, um, okay, so let's start from there because I have him number one as well. Sounds like you do. Uh, if we were doing this in tiers, you would have him kind of in his own tier right now compared to the other three, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I guess I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I have high hopes for the defense. I think he's still going to look good outside of the zone. And I think the shot is something that can improve. Okay. So we've both got him one, you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll dive in here first. So I've got Keegan Murray two right now. If <laughs> I know this is tough, you might have them all in a similar tier. If you had to right now, who would you go to? I think I, I think I would also have Keegan Murray at number two. Um, okay. And then I'll just, I'll jump in with number three here, I guess. I have Tari Eason just a little bit below him. It's tough because, you know, I think Murray is just a little bit further along offensively. And then, you know, I think the fact that Keegan Murray is also like a little bit older um, makes it close. And Eason, I think, has shown more interesting stuff as a passer. But um, yeah. yeah, I'd probably say Keegan Murray two and then Tari Eason three. Okay, so I'll go I'll go Johnny Davis three and then Tari Eason four. Just a guard that's six five that can guard hopefully multiple positions and shoot it. You know, if he hits as a prospect, uh, I like kind of that outline of a prospect. Um, and then I do want to add here at the end, we all these guys were freshmen last year, and statistically, when you look at guys in the past, something that I like to you know, a quip that I like to use is if a guy doesn't pop in their second year, like as a sophomore in college, it's just an uphill battle from there to end up making it in the NBA. So that's the reason that Will and I kind of like to look at freshmen to see which of those guys can that can make that freshman to sophomore year jump. Um, but Will, any other concluding thoughts here before we wrap up? Um. No, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, thank you. And uh, before we finish, please plug uh, where people can find your work uh, on Twitter and then anything else that you would like to plug. Yeah, so my Twitter is uh, W underscore A underscore Morris. Um, Post a lot of clips and stats and things like that, all basketball and draft related. Um, and then, yeah, I do some written work as well for zonahoops.com. Uh, you can check out some of my player reports there. All right. So it's Kadari Richmond, Tari Eason, Jonathan Davis, and Keegan Murray. Listeners, keep an eye out for these guys in college basketball next year when uh, they're starting to get a lot more attention and hopefully make their way onto draft boards next year. You can remember that uh, you heard it here on the Locked On NBA Draft Show. So thank you again, Will, and thank you listeners for tuning in. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.